0: What's up guys welcome to the first ever episode 41 of the kind of funny games cast as always I'm Tim Geddes joined by the coolest dudes in video games Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller
1: hello got a fuzz on my shirt
0: got it though Fuzz happens man now a lot of people have been like telling me hey Tim you can make the, the games cast better if you get guests and I was like alright I'm gonna do that Get motherfucking Adam Sessler here. Oh, do you? you don't get much
1: better than that. Yeah, that's very kind. So we're gonna be
0: Hello. talking about video games for the next hour or so. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm very excited about that. We got a, a great show planned today. And uh, for those of you that do not know, this is a show that every week we just talk about video games for about an hour, and it's great. But today we're doing it
2: with Adam Sessler. And, you want to get this show what And yeah, with Adam Sessler and your shoes match your shirt. My shoes do match my shirt. Bring it up. Bring it up. There yeah, it is. Look oh, at that. Wow. Look at this so got, coordination. These are old loves
0: for those that know out there. I'm, I'm very It I'm looks very like old Pittsburgh you. Penguins colors from mm-hmm. the late 80s, early 90s. I was thinking Steelers. So, yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Is, yeah, is, is that like the one outfit where that works, though?
0: It is. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story. I got the shirt. Shout out to Cunning Linguist and Tonda for hooking me up with the shirt. The Thugged Out Since Cub Scout shirt, which I love. That's cute. So, so much. It describes me in such a beautiful way. Um, I've had these shoes for a long time. They're beautiful. But I don't get to wear them too often. Yeah. They're pretty loud.
2: I got Slimer pizza say. shoes out there I've never worn. I'm still yeah. waiting for the shirt that goes with those. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your Capri Sun shoes as well. That yeah, wore. well, those a are a work of art. <laughs> art. My hashtag pouch up because
1: of Capri Sun. Shoes. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> hashtag I'll never forget up. when you got that when we read out I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, wait, can we see them? No, they can't see them. Oh, they're yeah, they're yeah, over yeah. there. I mean, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can see them. Yeah,
3: if you put them in the freezer, do they become a popsicle? Sadly, not.
0: But anyways, yeah, I'm very thrilled about how... This outfit looks um, I'm very, happy, like very happy about it. It reminds me of a, an older time, like a, a couple of years ago, back when I was younger, which is mm-hmm. weird of how that works. Yeah. But um, I, this is how I used to dress in high school all the time. So I'm, I'm happy that I can you know, bring it back for a new generation of good of kids, the teens out there. They need to look up to something. I'm hope, I hope that it's me. So this show, every week we talk about video games. You should go to iTunes.com slash kind of funny. Rate, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. It'll help make us feel really happy about everything so we can keep doing this, keep getting awesome guests like Adam Sessler to talk about stuff. The first topic of the day is horror games. Ooh. What makes a good horror game? Now, this is spurred by a little a little something special, some project that you're working on. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about this.
3: So um, I have the pleasure of getting to work with, it's it's, it's a small team right now. Uh, it's a mixture of Gun Media and another group called Ilphonic, And they were, once upon a time, it was already announced, working on a game called Slasher Volume 1, Summer Camp. It was an homage to 1980s slasher flicks. You, you, you can probably imagine it. It's asymmetric multiplayer. One person plays the killer. Seven people play counselors. The point is for the killer to kill all the counselors and for the counselors to escape or make it through the night or possibly kill the guy who's hunting them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously this game implied certain famous movie franchises like Friday the 13th without actually being Friday the 13th. But the guy's actually gone so far as to enlist the help of Tom Savini, the very famous makeup artist who worked on both Friday the 13th Part 1 and 4, and he's very famous for the original Dawn of the Dead. Dead. The guy is just a genius. So he's coming on to help design the kills. And what's really cool is to help design the kills to make sure that they could still exist as a practical effect inside of a movie, not take advantage of, you know, what you can play with physics and video games, but to really give it that sense of being grounded. They also were working with Kane Hodder, who played Jason in 7, 8, and 9. Mm. May not be the best movies, but his representation of Jason is the one that I think stands the test of time. Spot on. It is what is in, 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 in everyone's memory. He was going to be doing the, the mocap. So because of their participation... Word got to a gentleman named Sean S. Cunningham, who directed the first Friday the 13th and is the man who owns the license to the franchise. He heard about this, and he's like, well, I've been waiting for a game, a good game, to give the Friday the 13th a license to, and he gave it to them. Gratis. And That's as a, crazy. Yeah. So now, the game they were always implying, the franchise they were implying with the game, now gets to be that game. That's why they've gone back to Kickstarter, because while they were funded sufficiently to make Summer Camp... The the requirements, you know, now Mm -hmm. with the accuracy, recreating Crystal Lake, making Jason's actually, and all of that, that uh, is going to require more money. And Mm -hmm. so we're going out asking for people to... Donate, or at the very least, you know, I'm here to say, hey, if you, if you have two, five, ten bucks, that actually can make a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Additionally, if you can't do that, I understand. If you want to just kind of signal boost and get the just word, just tell out, people about but it. But this is like this link right here. Yeah, go to it. and then in the description you can click over to the the Kickstarter itself. But when, when I was told about this game, and I have I've loved horror movies all my life. It's actually why I married my wife. We both loved an academic text called uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which is just a <laughs> Th- you know, Once you he heard I mean, that, you're great, like, well, you know, we got to be together. <laughs> examination of, of, of horror movies. Um, but this, because, not just because the asymmetric, because it kind of, it plays up to that dream of when you're watching the movies and you're seeing what you think are dumb decisions being sure. made. And it's like, you no, know, you get to go in there and you get to, you know, I, I've, I've, in, in, in looking at the game and talking with them, those dumb decisions may happen more frequently where it's like, okay, we want to get the parts for the car because we want to get out of here. Let's split up. You know, the, the fundamental bad idea mm-hmm. in every single horror movie. And and I love the other aspect where it is asymmetric, but say, as opposed to something like Evolve or Spies versus Mercs, the goal is not for there to eventually be conflict. Mm-hmm. If you are the counselors, it might be in your best interest never to see Jason through the course of the game maybe you just join up with one other person and try to work together you know maybe you don't want to join up with all seven counselors because you're all in the same place so mm-hmm. if he shows up you know it's, it's over of, game it's, over. It's, it's it's fish in a barrel uh you, you play various archetypes you know the, the the jock there's the girl who's a little bit edgy you know you you, you can imagine all that mm-hmm. and they'll have various skills so there is you know an encouragement you might want to work with one or two people obviously some will be faster than others So while it is kind of 1v7, it's really 1v1v1v1v1. Mm Because the only thing that you want to do is you want to make it through the night. Not everyone has to make it through the night. You do. So you could work in concert with someone for a little bit and then Jason shows up and you can run faster. Okay, yeah. (laughs) By by the laws of the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you guys work on the boat, uh, that's great. Except the boat only carries two people. So what if you have three people Mm. who are all trying to work on getting it? Mm. So there's a wonderful sense of both teamwork, And treachery and that wonderful sort of tension, you know, really kind of captures, I think, the spirit of what those movies always wanted to do, which is you feel helpless, you know, against this highly overpowered enemy and whether or not you sort of have the the wherewithal and how clever you are to make it through the evening.
2: Mm-hmm. so is it like permadeath if you if Jason gets you and kills you you're out of match. that you're in out that match, match. Yes. Okay, and okay. then you'll,
3: you'll you'll get to watch what happens mm-hmm. to everyone else you know you can scream all you want and they can't hear you just like in the movie don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <"Tuck over> go there <laughs> what is the
1: what is the nature of so it's you know taking place I, I uh uh Friday Thirteenth near and dear to my heart. I actually mm-hmm. really really love that series. Um, r- super iconic. I think that out of all, I, I think of like a trilogy of iconic eighties style, maybe late seventies like Halloween, uh, and then you have Nightmare, uh, Elm Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday Thirteenth. And I, and Jason always spoke to me. I always thought that that was the creepiest one. What I always talk about is that I always loved as a kid and still do. Like when I look at it, the 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 way that movie looks during the daytime, the the juxtaposition of like the trees being green and the blue sky or whatever, and how that seems so beautiful and welcoming and then how harrowing that same scenario becomes when it's dark. I just think it's like very simple and very and very forthcoming. And I like that. Um, So since this is going to take place at uh, Crystal Lake, what are the maps? Is it one map or there are there like many different sections of it? This is interesting. And here's one thing I had never really considered. Um, Episode one through
3: four. That takes place over a period of three weeks. You know, Jason doesn't really stop. It's not Mm. like he he rests for a year and decides to reemerge. No, he's on a killing spree. So that should give you a sense of there's a lot more geography. We we all all think of the camp. That's where it starts. But there are other locations. It's a lake and people have summer homes and stuff Mm. like that there. So all of that is going to be incorporated. So in essence, there's one map. And initially when they're working on it, they had a very, very big map and it was just too big. You know the the length of time for Jason to finally encounter you. So it was taking too long. Counselors to to the are hiding barn. in one corner <laughs> yeah, <or> forever. So <laughs> that was so now it's it's in essence one map, but it will be somewhat randomized. So you know you're you're going to have elements like a barn. You know this the stuff you've seen in the movies. So you won't be playing the exact same map every time, but you are playing at Crystal Lake mm-hmm. every
1: time. And are you playing as any of the kids from the movies, or is, are these going to be like the? Um, because of licensing issues, they cannot replicate those
3: because those are actors. Right, I mean, Kevin Bacon that, was so. in the first one, <laughs> but um, but you are playing. I think you should expect to play familiar characters to what you know from the cool. movies, mm-hmm. the archetypes, yeah, right? Cool. It, right. Sounds, yeah, the, it and, sounds and like also you're, you're not just playing as one Jason. There will be multiple Jasons because based you, on the different you movie look iterations. If movies, and I've watched all of them back to back, that is a that, that is a fascinating tour. of That's the 1980s insane. style and, and value system. Um, you know, you you have a you, know, you have the bag over the head four, two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you obviously have someone very different in one. Um, you know, then hockey mask emerges in three, but then you have coming back from the dead in six, and then I've been underwater getting really rotten from seven through nine, and mm-hmm, so. Yeah. You know, you, you, they're, they're, they're going to be showing variants of Jason. The only two that they've committed to right now is three, which is called Big Neck, mm. uh, because they had put a prosthetic there on the back of his neck to kind of give it a sense of boom yeah. there, and obviously the very famous Kane Hodder version that is seven through nine.
1: I want the metal mask. Well- what is the nature? Is the do you guys have? I don't know if you have to figure this out in the future. Like a price point? Is this a retail game or a downloadable game? Like what is? What can people expect in terms of this like delivery? Is, I mean, right now the, the the determination is you know
3: PC, Xbox One, PS4. I think it's fair to assume that retail would, would be the goal with this. Um, I don't want to fully commit on that right now because mm-hmm. you just caught me off guard.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just,
1: because I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine in my head, like, is it a $20 game? Is it a $40 right. game? Is it a $60 game? Like, even though those don't, don't really mean anything, it, it, but they kind of do in a sense, it gives no, no, you an right idea. For sure. They do, yeah. they do.
3: Um, you know, that's a. I I, I need to give you a really an honest answer. We're in the middle of the Kickstarter right now, and that might be putting that cart well in front of that horse. Mm-hmm. And I think the success of the Kickstarter will determine mm-hmm. a lot of those matters for as sure. Well. Mm-hmm. Like
0: many Kickstarters, I mean, right now the Kickstarter, last we looked, it was it just crossed one hundred and fifty thousand. Yes, as of recording, so it today. right yeah. now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I mean, yeah, which, which is very very exciting. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we're aiming for seven hundred thousand, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that really has been well thought out about what is necessary to get all of those art assets in. And also, they feel that, you know, if, if you go look at the Kickstarter page, I mean, they're very, very honest that they don't want to mess this up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, they want to make gamers happy, but they also have, like, hardcore fans of Friday the 13th. And there's even one kid this morning who, when he saw, you know, the, the art for the announcement, he knew exactly that that was – you know, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. That because of the, of the state of the hockey mask, it had to be from that movie. Yeah, they are planning to give that level of attention to detail to really serve that fan base, and that just does cost more money.
0: And I mean, that's what's exciting though is the, is the getting it right aspects about exactly. it. And just hearing you talk about like knowing the differences between all yeah. of the the different Jasons, and there's different levels, obviously, of Friday the Thirteenth fans, where there's the people that are like oh man, like I love those movies and whatever. And then there's the guys that are like, I love those movies. It's, and this needs yeah. to kind of make both those teams kind of happen. And, and,
3: I, and I think so. I think there's some people that may not understand the level of detail, but what it is offering in terms of a, of, of a gameplay experience I think really is unique. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the guys are, who are already playing it, and obviously it's, it's all being prototyped right now, Sure, sure working sure. first on the gameplay and then you know, art will go on top of that, is it's already pretty scary. That, you know, you already have that sense that there's something out there. Because mm-hmm. unlike the movies, you know, because you're playing the game, you know there's something bad out there. If you go look at the movies, you know, full awareness that there's someone killing everyone doesn't happen until about the last reel. You know, that's why people are like, hey, let's take our clothes off. Because they don't know there's a killer out there. Mm. And that's why they're <laughs> taking their clothes off. And so so that changes the dynamic a little bit where you're, you're planning you, know, you want to get out of there, you want to be quiet as possible, you don't want to you know, sort of draw the attention of Jason, but you know that there's that threat, and that threat is, is player-controlled. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it has caused enough scares. I think the huge difference of having Jason rather than an invented enemy is, it's twofold. A, that hockey mask is so damn iconic. It's just, we know what that is supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. Also, from just an art standpoint, and, and you can see it in the movies, it's so white, that you have this thing that you can see in the dark, even from a distance yeah. that will start to say, Oh, we are in trouble mm. that, you know, it, Oh, we're also using the help of, of uh, Harry Manfredini. Ha ha. I pronounced it. He created the music. The, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and that will be in the game. Fuck yeah. how, to, how, how will be incorporated? We don't know yet. And he's also be designing other music for the game. So you're going to have all of these fun elements that are playing upon both a sense of memory and sort of a sense of fun inside the game to just mm-hmm. kind of get that that anxiety going this is the one game ever my wife has said she wants to play wow i know there's something right that's happening Good. I mean, that, no, that, it that, sounds awesome it yeah. sounds yeah. like
2: you're hitting on everything yeah. you'd want from this kind of game and de- definitely from a friday the 13th you know fans perspective
0: yeah seeing the trailer it like you know the you hear the the vo from the mom and stuff do you think there there will be like story elements to this or is it okay, just so, multiplayer
3: um the, the 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 core of the game is is asymmetric multiplayer the ultimate stretch goal would be the inclusion of some single-player elements. Nice. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I, you know, campaign, I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to say campaign. I think it's more going to be stuff that's going to sort of test you out. Um, to, to really appreciate it, though, we need to have that much money to do it because to program the AI for Jason, I mean, that's very unique mm-hmm. AI because he has to have almost like superhuman awareness, but he has to move in a particular way, and obviously yeah. he has to come across as believable. I mean, there's Shambling. a lot of complexity in trying to make an enemy that you might think is kind of more
1: rudimentary and dumb. Mm-hmm. On that note, is there looking at other asymmetric experiences like Evolve? W- people had a lot of concerns by that. I, I know that Sony's working on Kill Strain now, and we have some other examples of this. Is there is there a concern, a, any sort of concern, that without single player functionality, that the game will live or die based on the amount of people that play it, and therefore? You know, like it seems like in other words, it seems like people like seem to have more more of a problem with multiplayer games being only multiplayer. Yeah,
3: no, I I see what you're saying. The 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 reason
1: why I feel confident that this would distinguish itself
3: from it is this isn't skill based in the same way. Mm. Dying in this game should prove just as entertaining as Mm. as succeeding. Mm. You know, remember, you know, if you die, you will see one of many many creative inventions that Tom Savini came up with. Um, Also, it's when you play a lot of multiplayer, even like asymmetric or otherwise, you know, depending upon what other people are doing, it can become very frustrating. You can just keep on getting stomped on. And there's that certain need like, okay, I'm going to have to play four or five matches in a given evening to kind of get that experience where I feel like I've had enough. The more I think about playing this game and that it violates a lot of the rules of what you're supposed to do in a multiplayer experience, you're trying to avoid people, except for one character is the only Mm -hmm. one you're playing hide and go seek, really. And, that that allows for you could have a, I think the reliability of a satisfying experience. You know, in if, if if something goofy happens to one of you, like if one of your friends isn't that great, they will cause added new tension because you know they don't know how to carry the part or they can't suddenly mm-hmm. be fixing the car. It's like no, come on, come on, come on. That it's it, it's a. It's, it's a very different type of experience than what you would normally associate with multiplayer. And yes, as you play the game, you're going to have skills that carry over and you'll be able to improve the, the characters that, you, that you're playing. But the real fun, I think, is just in that instance. I think it'll be very, very fun with friends. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think especially as people get known for playing Jason really, really well, I mean, it, it can become like, hey... Let's see if we can get this guy and see if we can scare the absolute crap out of us and mm-hmm. so we can like somehow make it out from under him.
2: On a surface level, it strikes me as going into the direction of what I liked about Left for Dead versus Evolve. Right? Mm-hmm. Left for Dead was like, oh, cool, just jump in. We all kind of, there's differences to our characters and our loadouts or whatever, but they're all basically the same. So you can get down right. actually how are we getting over the problem at hand right now? Right. Whereas Evolve was, I'm a trapper and I'm gonna put down the dome and do this and do and do you know how to interact? And they're like, that's complicated, and mm-hmm. that's you need a team to roll with. But Whereas he- this you could jump even into.
3: With left or dead and I think you're right is all four players needed to kind of be firing all, all pistons and mm-hmm. working in concert with one another and here you could you know you could be on some part of the map and like never see another counselor and just say I'm gonna I'm just gonna go it alone and wolf. see if I can go really quiet and try to get over there or maybe try to hide in one place mm-hmm. it's highly inadvisable to hide in one place um, there, there are aspects because Jason We'll have certain
2: skills. He's, I'm assuming he has some kind of vision or some kind of right. ping ability. Because if you're hiding do. underneath
3: the bed, well, we can't ask the person playing Jason to like, look under, every... under the bed. Yeah, <laughs> he knows you're under the bed. and He puts a knife. Yeah. yeah, and so through that kind of skill that 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 he has, the longer you stay in one place, the easier uh, you will be able to sense that you are there. So mm-hmm. it will be in your best interest to try to move around and see, you know, and not just be sitting around we, we, we have to keep people moving through the map yeah. right right
0: right right. So, what interests me a lot about this is like being able to balance the the you know the kind of supernatural super badass guy that has can kill anybody as soon as he sees them but then also kind of making sure that the the counselors that the ones that the yeah. other people are playing as don't feel video game overpowered you know because like in video games you instantly kind of have the sense of like i can yeah. run fast and jump and do all this crazy stuff but like how are you guys making or how are they making sure that um the The characters aren't overpowered in a video game sense, but also aren't too underpowered that they can't do anything.
3: Right, right. No, and and, and this is you know, it's, this is stuff that they're working on right now. I mean, because unlike even other asymmetric games where there still is some sort of sense of balance, albeit very, very different, mm-hmm. Jason is supposed to be overpowered. Yes, you can kill him, but it is going to be extraordinarily hard, and the amount of risk you're probably going to take on. 'Cause you're probably gonna have to do it with a lot of other people. Like that is that is your bird in the hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean you're 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 going for the bush. Um so you, you you want to have more power to to have that, but the counselors will have skill sets. You know, we are going to have the girl next door. We're very aware of kind of what those stereotypes are. We don't, they don't want to talk too much about those specifically because that is what is being worked on. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. But there are certain edges that you will have that will help guide your decision making when you're playing that particular character.
0: Well, what, what are some examples of that? Like, even not specifics, but just, like, what could you, okay. earlier you mentioned let's say you being let's that there's more... someone
3: who, you know, probably one of the male characters with a pair of glasses is going to be a little bit better at mechanics. So mm-hmm. if there's a car, but you need to get the car parts. So people are going to get the car parts. If he's the one who's actually fixing the car, you're just going to be able to do that that much more quickly. Mm. So something, you know, of that nature. A jock would probably be stronger. So he could handle some melee attacks. So if Jason does appear, you know, he might be able to sort of, Pushing back a little bit so everyone has a chance to run. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a, a handful of stat categories, and so some characters will be obviously superior in some versus others. Obviously, no one wants to go into the specifics of what sure, the stats sure, sure. are because yeah. that's what we're.
2: Figuring and out. I assume you've talked about you know fixing the car or you, the boat has three se- or th- two seats and all the but mm-hmm. you're fixing the boat and stuff. I'm assuming that if if for the, to kill Jason, is it basically like a mousetrap kind of puzzle where it's like we all are like, are oh, we're doing this, so you set up this part and you do this, and then we all run? That is still indecision. Yeah. And I've even chatted a little bit about I mean, that
3: that is one of the biggest decisions to make because A, it has to be believable. B, it has to really respect that, you know, this is not it doesn't really get accomplished in the movie so it has to be something that you know it just it, it, it makes sense yeah. and it asks enough of the player mm-hmm. I know that there's a few ideas that, that they're kicking around I mean th- these are the discussions I cannot wait to start having
2: oh, with yeah, the team I can only imagine once you get through this Kickstarter yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah yeah, it sounds cool I gotta be I mean I don't play multiplayer games very much mostly because I'm not I don't like the I don't like the I don't like to have to stick with a game and, and, and progress and, you. You. and that's and that's you. So this, I mean, honest to God, and, we're, and it's not just because you're here, we're talking about it. This sounds like a little more intriguing in a game. Well, because you could jump in and ignore everybody. The, the other thing is,
3: I think this okay, well. is going to be the kind of multiplayer game that is <laughs> for adults with normal schedules. Mm. That, you know, oh, you can play five matches in an evening. You'll probably have a great time. You can also, you know, if you can get your friends together all at one time, have one match. And it's still something you're going to want to be talking about because there will be events. And we'll have that kind of just sort of organic way of of the fun emerging and you're trying to work together and yeah, probably there's yeah. someone screwing up. I mean, it seems I think one of the things I always struggled is, you know, to tell a narrative inside of a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. That usually in Call of Duty, there's just so much going on. It's like people playing basketball, but, you know, there's one ball for every two people. So it's just it's just chaos. Here, there really is a sense of a beginning some type of middle, and yeah. some type of end, or maybe multiple ends is all the counselors. Yeah. yeah. And I, and everybody gets it
0: <laughs> sounds cool. Yeah, I think it sounds really cool. It's cool. I mean, in a lot of ways, it sounds like Until Dawn, but just with multiplayer, and I feel like that this is a really cool way to take on that. And I, you know, I'm in the same boat as you, where it's like, it's, I'm very intrigued to be able to play a multiplayer game just in little slices and just be like,
3: that was a cool experience. I can either do it again
1: or not. Yeah, because you don't have to worry about progression and and skill level and matchmaking. In Trying to work with twelve year olds
3: who are developing their skill set at this game at a rate far faster than you are because that's all they're devoting their time. Right. Game. Exactly. I don't. Yeah. Like that.
1: That's a huge turn off to me for multiplayer games. So this sounds. No, and this I sounds agree. Much I mean, that's me.
3: that's exactly how I feel about multiplayer games. I play them very infrequently. Also, I hate the sense of it's in, in co op sometimes that, that burden. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be like the rock for you have to carry up yep. the hill. Yep. 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 Once again, I just think this answers for a ton of those issues and mm-hmm. that it can have it can appeal to both a casual and an experienced gamer because it's offering something that doesn't have a very easy corollary
1: yeah with that said is that it will there be some sort of uh i don't want to call it a progression system but some sort of experience yes. system that will reward you with aesthetic things or things that don't really affect the gameplay but like you you
3: you may be able to there will be something to progress throughout it and i will not i don't i'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say it may only be it Aesthetic. I mean there there's there 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 is an attention to the sense that you know you should be rewarded if you want to stick with it. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's not competitive in a normal way. So if someone is more advanced than you, it doesn't really affect that doesn't yeah. really if affect jo- your energy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, interesting. Sounds good.
0: Yeah, it sounds really great. If you guys are interested, which you definitely should be, yes. Head to the link below. You see it right here. Kickstarter for Friday the thirteenth of the game. Yes. It looks awesome. Check out the trailer. It's at 150 now. I'm really interested to see where it's at. People tweet at me. <laughs> when, when you see this episode let me know where it's at when uh, after this over cool uh, Everything, everything's looking up oh. he's writing down the time code oh, okay okay
2: Kevin had to go get his yep. car fixed so I'm looking over here at the clock every so yeah, often I coming. like that a lot
0: so guys the second topic of the day is game of the year so far we've done this topic twice before on the games cast pretty much once per quarter in the, the first round we talked a lot about Dying Light because it was pretty early there wasn't too much going on yeah very Then early. eventually there was a, a bit more talk about Arkham Knight and um, Witcher. Witcher. So now we're gonna open this again with Adam, our good friend.
2: Ah. Mm-hmm. What Did do you this... bring to the table?
3: And I thought I had escaped this <laughs> year. No. No, We'd no, also no. like no, to no. rate everything bring on a five. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I think on on the whole, as of now, Witcher stands out the most to me. Um. I mean, it is interesting to be honest. As I, it is kind of nice over the past. Year and some change, that when I'm playing a game, I'm not just judging it against all the other games. <laughs> yeah, I know how you guys are. You're doing it it's like, okay, just keep the list going. That way, I can write that thing up and then just go away for the holidays. <laughs> 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 but I mean, Witcher was that thing I was so stupid excited for, and it, I just, I just fell into it. I'm terribly surprised how much I'm liking Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a design perspective, that game is almost wicked in how it gets its claws in you yeah. because the the way the rewards just interlock with everything else that you're doing Um, but it's still really weird (laughs) (laughs) what's your history
0: with with the Witcher series and the Metal Gear series
3: Um, I've played all the Witcher games Okay, I have only finished one of the other Metal Gear games and that Mm. was four
0: Um,
3: interesting I mean it was I would have loved to have gone back was Snake Eater was the Xbox version of 3 correct no. And what was he? They were all oh, Sub- subsistence. 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 That's yeah, yeah. right. So I played uh, Snake Eater, I guess, on the PlayStation 2. And like that lack of compass, where am I going? And it right. was like, no. And by the time the Xbox version came out, that kind of addressed some of those. Yeah, There's so many other games I needed yep. to be playing to stay current. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just one of the, the flaws. Oh, of, we know it well. Of, of covering <laughs> it. Um, in terms of Witcher, I played the first. Matt Kyle, who worked on X-Play, was like, Adam, you've got to play this. This is like your kind of like dark fantasy that with bad consequences. He's like, look, it's written by Polish Jews. I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> 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 so I did that, and then got really excited for Witcher two, and then obviously Witcher three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just it, it just I love the combat in three, and I put up with the combat in one. So it's been nice to see it progress. Also,
2: nice, 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 nice. Metal Mm -hmm. Gear for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I had said before, right, I think I was saying last time, for a long time it was Witcher, right, that I thought was game of the year, but I kept saying, but I'm waiting on Metal Gear and Fallout, and now it's, it's Metal Gear, but I'm waiting on Fallout. Yeah. I
3: I would not be surprised if a lot of outlets give Metal Gear a Game of the Year like that and that that's something that that would not surprise me yeah. nor would I say oh
2: my god no video game journalism died Corruption! in twenty <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah, yeah.
0: but what do you feel about like the other contenders like some of the games we talked about like Witcher do you think would you be surprised if you saw them writing
3: that up I wouldn't be surprised I think what's going to be interesting is Witcher in the shadow of Fallout assuming yeah, mm-hmm. Fallout is as good as we have every reason to expect it's going to be, they kind of inhabit a more similar space. The Metal Gear, as open world as it is, is Kojima. It's just that weird animal that is a Kojima game. And so it does have the benefit of kind of standing very distinct from a lot of the other stuff that's coming out this year. I mean, there's a lot of open world this year. Mm -hmm. And his version of open world is one of the most bizarre and quite satisfying versions. Mm
2: -hmm. Colin, where are you?
1: Uh, I, w- I mean since we last talked about this like I guess I'd throw in Rocket League um, into the conversation I think that Rocket League is pretty immaculate and as I said before I wouldn't be surprised if Rocket League won game of the year from some big outlets um, that game is just it's just pure fun uh, people really didn't see that game coming which I find hilarious because we played it so many times and as we talked about like that game had fucking huge written all over it and um, people finally got their hands on it. I was I, we talked about it in the past. I remember when we played at PSX last year. I like, this is gonna be huge. This game's gonna be absolutely massive. Yeah. And and uh, lo and behold, it's massive because yeah, it's people just, love it because it's just fun. it's sold millions of copies, millions of copies. Um, it's probably one of the best selling games of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on Psyonix and good for our friend Jeremy Dunham that we used to you
2: know. huge Friday the Thirteenth fan too. So he just he's, he yeah. can't lose this year. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I would throw,
1: I would throw that in there, and then I would uh, I would throw uh, Mad Max um, into the mix. Um, i think mad max is awesome um we joke around about like my increasing love of it and and how we we think it's getting better and better but i I don't think it's going to be game of the year but i i still think dying lights my favorite game of the year but um but i think mad max is just a fantastic game it's a good as i've talked about it's just a good game to just check boxes in Mm -hmm. if that's the way you like to play games and that's kind of the way i like to play games sometimes it's a fun game go get rid of this scarecrow tower take over this camp Find this collectible in this fucking stunningly beautiful world with awesome car combat and and some kind of Arkham Knight light sort of hand to hand combat and stuff like that. I think Mad Max is a great game. How, how, how overloaded with com- with with content is it?
3: Sort of in comparison to Arkham Knight.
1: I think well, I think the our, It's I think it's 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 heavier than Arkham Knight, and well, if you don't count the Riddler trophies, which are ridiculous, the but it's it, it it's more akin to like a Far Cry or like a Unity okay, game, okay, to me. I would actually compare it most, uh, density to Witcher. The thing that turned me off to the Witcher after, or Witcher 3 after 60 or 70 hours was how fucking dense it was. It's not, like, I just felt like I was getting nowhere in that game. Mm -hmm. Like, every question mark would turn into seven more question marks, which would turn into 15 question marks. And I was like, I can't (laughs) fucking take it anymore. So I stopped, I stopped playing that game. That was too much for even me. And I'm, I'm kind of a fucking sucker for that stuff. Um, I would say it finds the nice happy medium between Arkham Knight, which I think was, better in terms of its presentation and aesthetic and storytelling. I mean those characters are interesting. Mad Max is more of a UB game where it's like here's a map and you're going to and it's all red and you're yeah. slowly going to take over every section of the map until it's white. You know? And I'm I'm like okay, that's fun. So I I think Mad Max is an overlooked game. I just think it's fun. it really unique car combat in the game too. That's like quite satisfying. There's it's cool there's like a tr- trade convoys that you have to like take over and like there's like seven cars and you have to just get behind, like get aside them and like just just fucking shotgun blast the driver to get one car off, and then like stick a harpoon in another car and rip its tire off as you're like speeding around and like shooting, you know, at the other tires and like, It's just, a, I think it's just really like frenetic and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we haven't t- had this conversation since Until Dawn came out, right? Because I, oh, I yeah. no, no, no. Not Until so Dawn's I so. would throw Until Dawn in there. I think, with the exception of Dying Light, Until Dawn might be my favorite game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that game just came out of nowhere. And I thought it was going to be good. We've played the game many times at preview events, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I said before is, I and mean, when we've talked about with Supermassive, like Supermassive and Sony didn't expect that it was going to sell this well either. Like people couldn't find the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I would throw that into the mix as well, kind yeah, of. But
3: didn't even like Heavy Rain. Probably not the the other one. Beyond was that was that beyond? Yeah, beyond. beyond. Also sold, yeah. But I thought
1: Heavy Rain
3: way outsold expectation. It did that. I mean, yeah, it, it was funny that it did seem this, like Sony was kind of like, uh, yeah, we got that one over there. It's like, you guys have actually shown a fair amount of success with this type stuff that shouldn't sell well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they,
1: yeah. yeah. Heavy Rain Heavy Rain did well. I remember the, the I, I'm sure it's well beyond this point now, but Quantic Dream gave that speech at GDC where they were like, we we have like 3 million trophy pings, but only 2 million copies sold. It was like more of a thing of like, who, yeah. you know, buy our game. Um, but they definitely sold millions, millions of copies of Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain's a great game. Heavy Rain's better than this old one. But what I keep saying about until Dawn because you bring up Quantic Dream is that they've out Quantic Dream Quantic Dream in terms of the That's dynamic. I keep hearing yeah in terms of the dynamic of the of the story, the kind of open nature of it. It's not like locked down and kind of like chapter by chapter, but rather it is literally like chapter by chapter in a sense. But it's it's an hour and it takes place every hour. But, but, yeah, but it also
3: sounds like it, what was smart is they picked the right kind of story. Doing the horror story and having it dynamically branch, I think that's more controllable than as with Heavy Rain. It was a mystery. As mm. much as I liked Heavy Rain, it's like you probably shouldn't have done a mystery, which kind of has like an answer. Th- there's what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it, that's a that's a big one to take on. Well, that's that's David Cage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I so I'm interested to see. Like, I think Quantic Dreams' next game is going to be a Paris Games Week, obviously. Um, a PS4 game, and I'm interested to see what they do, and I'm interested to see like what that game's like in comparison to Untold Dawn, because mm. see, they were they were created concurrently, and they're not going to be able to react to that game, but I do think Supermassive did themselves very proud, and they understand what they have with this game and their interviews that they've been giving where they're like, we're doing more of this. And and I think, not necessarily Until Dawn, although they said they might do it in Until Dawn too with different characters, but I would just not be surprised. But, well, they have, they're going to, and I, and, I, to. And I still feign uh, it's not even feigning, I, 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 I exclaim shock to this day that their mock reviews didn't come in Uh, And their marketing department didn't understand that this game was going to be big and that they had something special here. And I don't understand why they didn't hold it and release it during October. And I also didn't uh, like and kind of narrow in on that, that horror, that, that, that vibe that we get this month or whatever. I think that's a really special game. So I would so I would throw in Mad Max, Rocket League and uh, Until Dawn as games that I think are going to be in contention uh, Mm -hmm. for for, you know, game of the I don't think any of them will necessarily win, but I think that they're all.
0: They're going to worth, be in that
1: discussion, but they're going to you know, out eventually. Well, because the old the old talk used to go, even when we were at IGN, it's like, we would nominate games, or people would nominate games, and then be like, well, I don't think this game necessarily would win. And then the, the argument's like, well, why would we nominate it at all? Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm like, I understand that argument, but I also understand we want to build a list of this, the best games. Yeah, exactly. And so I would put them on.
3: Yeah, I, this one of my biggest issues with Game of the Year was, you know, obviously it's a collective decision, and sometimes the anxiety is more like, hold on, this is going to define us for the next year. It's yeah. like, well, look somewhat and a lot of people can be pissed off no matter what you do yeah. but i'm so much more interested in trying to give praise to games that people might not know are worthy of that i mean yeah that's what i do with like best movies of the year from reading the new york times or something like that i go through i'm like i haven't heard of this i will now go exactly. look for yeah. this. that's it, sh- it should be about the discoverability not about the championing and fighting right, right, and right, right look at my wisdom for finding greatness right. over there
0: yeah it's interesting you bring up Rocket League and Until Dawn because I think those are two games that really kind of uh, were enhanced by the whole streamer culture that is happening. Oh, now. sure. Yeah. We're like those games are to this day super popular on Twitch and YouTube and all this stuff. And I think that that it's it's really cool to see, quote unquote, smaller games being getting that that type of uh, exposure. And it's like I those games come up on my Twitter every single day somehow some different people are talking about it and i yeah. think that's well no one stopped talking about rocket league yet. ever you yeah, know it's just sorry. like it just never stopped and like the until dawn i think is the the gift that keeps on giving where it's like people are like oh no it's actually good you should play it and then someone's like all right i will eventually and then they play it, and like holy shit this is fucking good you should play it, it just and keeps it's that thing
2: out. of like people will stop ta- stop in to see people's streams to see oh did you get caught up the same death that i got yep. caught up on who survived mm-hmm. for you who do you hate that i didn't and it's weird
3: think about what could have happened with mass effect
2: <laughs> I think the
3: Mass Effect 3 ending controversy had we had a service like Twitch mm-hmm. I've always said I think one of the biggest problems is that people didn't understand that that entire game wasn't ending yeah of course you know, and that, they did almost too good a job at because it was, it was impossible to tell okay what is because I did it and what is it was, was yeah. already predetermined by the game it was only after a discussion I had with people I'm like oh my god there was so much more that was dynamic in that game yeah. and I think yeah that really you know would have helped that game quite a bit mm-hmm I mean, you know, obviously
0: for me, my answer is definitely Metal Gear, having not played too much of those other games, just because they're not for me. Metal Gear is the, is the one, and I've said this a million times, but I love the Metal Gear franchise, but 5 scared me because of the open world stuff, and everything you guys said, it's like, it hooked me, and it it's it's not that open world. It really is kind of, it's a small maps. Open yeah, it's yeah.
3: open world, but it delivers on something that a lot of open world games don't, which is do it how you want, mm-hmm. and... You know, all like getting the new equipment. You know, I, I think in a lot of open world games, and I, as much as I love Far Cry, I know I just I would do this in Far Cry. You just start leaning on the one way that you go about mm-hmm. doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And this, it really is like, hold on, I have something. It actually is useful. It's fun for me to figure out how to sort of manipulate that tool or that weapon to 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 take care of the guards and the fact that the guards are responding mm-hmm. you know, that the bad guys are putting on the helmets or yeah. putting on the night vision goggles yep. it's forcing you to actually think in a more strategic and creative way that is so damn mm-hmm. impressive to me
0: the biggest compliment i can give the game is how it's constantly teaching me new things to to do and i want to and yeah. it's like when you when you you don't get everything at once it slowly kind of unlocks the ability to customize your helicopter or to go on side ops or to uh you know uh, be able to see what level the the random people are to fulton them and it's just like it feels so rewarding it constantly is rewarding yeah. to me even though the gameplay is very repetitive when you sure. boil it down when you but go out like on a every mission it's always the different.
2: same one of the same or four or five things right yeah. of getting this guy like, or getting save this, this guy, guy yeah, kill yeah, this guy yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. get this thing watch this you know whatever weird ass hologram thing i don't know whatever
3: don't <laughs> to, to to colin's point and i just agree with you a hundred percent you know even in which three as much as i liked it Gating is becoming such a problem in games where it's like, stop like playing 52 Pickup with the player, where it's like, oh, here's everything. I mean, look, one of my biggest issues with Batman are those Riddler puzzles. Not that I really plan on doing all of them, but they're there, and they're mocking me, and they're right. making me feel and bad. And he's literally
1: mocking you. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, know,
3: I don't know if I should be doing these, what the benefit is. I don't know. I, I think the biggest issue with the Riddler puzzles in Batman
1: is there are so many that are there that you cannot solve. I think that is just... From
3: a design perspective, why would you want to yeah. do that to the player?
1: Yeah, that's that's the one thing that bothered me about Arcane Night Two specifically. Although the, the, all the games share it in the same way, yeah. it's like I don't even understand why this exists. Like, th- like I'm like this game is so immaculate in so many ways. The the presentation, the thought and put into the mm-hmm. sequencing of the the fucking side quest, the whole side quest wheel. I thought was a great like thing to just like you'll know, be able to pop it up and see where you are. And then I'm like, but then you have all this garbage yeah. like why like that was like i'm it's like busy what work, the right? fuck yeah, the game going. doesn't even need it and, no, if, I know. And, if, and if it had it it should have just been but collectibles that you could find or
3: or if it doled out five or ten
1: ever so often i
3: mean mm-hmm. that's i think rockstar is exquisite at this where you know you get to a certain point in their games then you get maybe about five missions you can do it whenever order then you tighten back up into the main story and, and then you get some mm-hmm. you never have that moment of like I don't know what the what implications the of my decisions are going to be. I don't yeah. know what to do next. And I, I think that this concept that, well, we want the player to play however they want to. No, we want the player to think they can play how yeah, If exactly you're making right. the it's game, you know what the better way to play this is. And you should kind of nudge the player in that mm-hmm. direction. Right. Yeah. That,
1: that's, a, that's a great point because that's what we've had this argument fucking ad nauseum about Witcher 3 where... You do Witcher three side quests too early or too late, and you get no experience points for them. And I'm like, and everyone's like, you're not, you know, people are, you're not playing it right. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The game's letting me do it. Therefore, I'm playing the game right. That's called bad. (laughs) I hate to tell you, that's called bad design. And and what bothers me is that CD Projekt Red, when they're talking about Cyberpunk now, which is their next game, they're like, uh, they're like, it's going to be even bigger. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's what you learn from The Witcher three is you're going to make your next RPG even bigger. Like it doesn't get any bigger. But just you know, like, but see, but if you want to <laughs> space
3: and more quests, but control, I mean, no, that was devastating where I'm like, I don't, I mean, you're, you're asking the player to understand things far quicker than there's any reason to expect them to understand it. Yeah. And it's like, just give me a few quests. I'm like, oh, I like to do my, I, I love doing quests.
1: Yeah, me too. And, but not 75 of them. And, 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 and Metal
3: Gear, <laughs> as many quests as are on there, it never, as, as long as you're being attentive and you want to do all the side quests, it gives you three or four yep. for every, like, you know, two yeah. things you do in the... In, in in the main story, Metal and Gear is the
2: perfect the perfect example this year of slowly doling out the stuff because yeah. it's the same thing of like when I when I shit, when I was get, trying to get Nick ready for Metal Gear and I showed him Peace Walker. I jumped into a save that was like it was sixty me. or seventy. You showing hours. Oh, me? Sorry, I'm sorry. And 70, I was like fuck seventy hours in, this. and I'm like, well, this is how you manage racing this? Is this and I'm like, you're like this is bullshit. And I'm like, but they didn't. This isn't how you got dropped into the game. Yeah. And so now with Phantom Pain, it is that where it's like. Do this, and then, bink, all right, here's this new thing for you to learn, and this mm-hmm. thing to learn, and this thing. And slowly but surely, now you look back 60 hours later, like, oh, fuck. Well. My only complaint, and I know this is just indicative for a lot of his games and games of this nature,
3: I don't like the scoring at the end of the missions, because uh, it, it, it uh, undermines, undermines the yeah. idea that you should be able to do it how you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's and, a really good point. And I'm like, it's... It's like it's almost like, they're like, oh no, but we did have a way we wanted you to play this. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's not you know right. the scores may have no consequence, but it's like, okay, now I'm just neurotic. Yeah. Sure. So I feel the well, same way. That's I mean, why
2: Kotaku put up that piece that was like, you know, it's Metal Gear so much fun better when you ignore it. When you yeah. when you ignore that final screen. Cause that's for the nerds like me that want the platinum and yeah. love metal gear and want to S rank it and want to sneak in and out and never be. Known. But I think
0: there's a difference though between that and like the Riddler trophy stuff. With the Riddler oh, trophy sure. stuff, it's like there's that's just there, you know. Whereas this, it's like, yeah, it's annoying for the people like me that are literally I just want to beat the mission like I do not care about my rank at all but knowing that there's a rank like I do like it I do like knowing that oh there is a better way to play this game you can play it however you want obviously I'm doing that but there is a way that I should be playing that they want me to be doing that and they designed it that way Yeah. see
3: I think that I I wish we could move away from traditional difficulty settings and instead be you know ask the player at the beginning how are you hoping to play it that there should be like a completest mode where you, it will, you know, you're not going to go up by level as fast because you're planning to do every side quest, and so it, it'll keep the game challenging for you. Mm-hmm. I think Dragon Age is a great example. You, know, you, you get so overpowered if you're really diligent about doing the side quest. Or, like say in the case of Metal Gear, like you don't want to be scored, and so it's going to just remove that element of the game so you can just kind of experience it and play it however like that. you want. Well, I think
0: the Call of Duty uh, news that dropped this week about them being you can choose Realistic. Your, your campaign whenever you, you want. You know what I'm talking about? talking about? The in Black Ops Three, you can as soon as you play the game, you can choose whatever campaign mission. You don't unlock the campaigns.
1: Oh, oh that's lame. I don't like that. But I mean, but I guess, but I guess it's the player agency, direction. Though. Yeah, but the player. I but I agree with that's you. In the pl- weird. Yeah, it's like, weird. But but their their whole thing is, is like that. They, they are they telling a story. They're, <laughs> they're, no, there is a
0: story. It's not the. It's not like it's nonlinear. It is still going to be a linear oh, okay. thing. Um, and I'm I might be getting something this wrong. I don't think that I am because I, I read the article, but um. It, they were talking about how, like, you know, back when we played Guitar Hero and stuff, and you had to play the songs over and over to unlock everything. It was like, why? Okay, and, no,
3: okay, I see that logic.
0: And yeah. but that's different because that all those songs are equal, technically, whereas yeah. these levels are, yeah, yeah. It's are a specific, campaign. yeah, it's a specific thing. Um, but but they're, they're, it's more for the people that just want to, to just be able to go to the one mission because they don't care about the command. They do just want to do the multiplayer, but they heard that this level's cool and they don't want to have to play. I don't know. It's-
1: yeah, no, I, I respect that. And I, I actually really love what, what Adam was saying about, like I love that idea of, of the game asking you questions in the beginning, 10 yeah. questions, you know, how it much time do you, I, well, I like that. I like, it doesn't have to be with every game, but a game like The Witcher or sure. something like that where it's like, how much time do you intend on spending with this game? Yeah. Like asking you like very straightforward questions and then it, it it gives you like it's not player agency. It's even bigger than that. It's it's customer service. Yeah, it's and it's 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 customization before you even have agency in the game. I mean, so it's, it's 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 I like that. It's the, probably complicated to execute, but I like exactly.
2: That. And it would benefit a game like you're talking about with Batman in the way that I, the thing you haven't glossed over and the thing that about the Riddler trophies that annoys me as somebody who got them all is the fact that they're mandatory. You don't get the real ending of Batman Ar- Arkham Knight, yeah, no matter how many hours you put in, until trick. you get all the things, and you, they don't tell you that till the end, but and it's like, also, well, wait, what the hell? There's,
3: there's those really puzzles where like you need to get a piece of equipment that will be given to you at some point in the story, but they don't tell you that when you go. I mean, you just yep, you sit about, there banging your head if, against if, the wall. If, if Batman just like, uh, I think there's something else I need. I should come back. So, something. Just some, some clues. Clue. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I sure. felt I felt very similarly, and I love Dragon Age Inquisition, but. To Colin's point, I agree with you. I, I, I play games sometimes just to make myself angry. I'm like if it's there, then I can play it. So certain parts of that map open up, you know, early on. And one of them, I went there, and it's like, like I'm at level six, and somehow it unlocked. But I, but you, but all the enemies are level thirteen, mm. and you know, you're going through a fair amount of loads to get there. It's like just, you know, once again, if a character be like, oh, I don't know, I think it's pretty dangerous up ahead. Just something so the player is not Put you back wasting track. time pointlessly. Yeah, think, once again, games are mainly for adults, and adults have other responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, it
1: reminds me of, like, there's very simple ways to, to, to nip shit like that in the butt. It reminds me of, like, Dragon Quest, like old Dragon Quest games on NES. If you walked across a bridge you weren't supposed to walk across, you'd run into enemies that would kill you immediately, and, mm-hmm. you, would, and you would learn your lesson that you shouldn't go across that bridge. It's, like, very simple design philosophy. You know, like, so... It, I think sometimes designers might be getting in their heads a little too much in terms of like, how do we execute a world this big? And I'm like, I don't I think you don't have to overthink it too much. If the side quest is available, then you should expect that someone's going to do the side quest. Yes, it is not. It is like not. So like when I hear this, like you're playing the game wrong or they didn't play. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. The side quest is available and the game let me play it. Therefore, no, I'm playing the game exactly the way idea I This That
3: you can play the game wrong. If yeah. I can do that in the game then that is at the game's behest or, or at, the, yeah. at, the, at the game's allowance. And yeah. Yeah. That, and
0: especially that, that with, with more me. open world stuff, like super Metroid, even like there there's the rooms where it's too hot. And if you go in there, your life just starts draining down. You instantly know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it's
1: just quick cues. It's the way it's the way games used to have to do it because they didn't have the, the luxury of being able to explain things to you in, in any other way. So it was vi- usually visual cues or quick death cues that would be still forgiving enough to let you know that like, you're going back to the last day point and don't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I I think that that's that's super valuable stuff. The thing that bothers me about Arkham Knight specifically in retrospect is I really enjoyed the beat to beat story of that game. I didn't. I think the game is a little overrated. I don't think the combat is as inspired as everyone thinks it is. I just I don't. Um, but I do think that. The storytelling and I love that wheel they had of like the, you're this percentage through this and this percentage through this. You don't even know what the fuck this is yet. And when I think of the Riddler trophies and I just think of game development and game design as a pie like a structure in which you take different resources to make different things. I wish they took that those resources of those those fucking stupid Riddler trophies and were like we're going to do four more sets of side quests. You yeah. know like no. like wouldn't have that been more fun. And then yeah. people would have gotten the real ending by doing something they actually wanted to do because mm. I got just a million tweets from people being like. Because I was, I, I I tweeted I finished the game. Everyone's like, "Oh, did you see the real ending?" I'm like, "No, I didn't." They're like, "Oh, well, you should have to get this, and that, and the other thing." And everyone's like, "Just go watch the YouTube video." That's yeah, what I no, did. I mean, and hits, then and then yip, that's yip, what yip, everyone yip, yip, yip. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just like, I hope Rocksteady looks at that and is like, "We don't need this minutia in our games necessarily." Some games thrive on that kind of stuff. Witcher's is a great example. The game does thrive on the minutia, but if they wanted to have collectibles, make them so you can find them. And get them without having to bang your head against the wall 150 times wherever it is. It's, it's, it's insane. It, it, it's, it's a funny thing is, you know, I actually, you know, I I think when developers do it, they're, they're doing it from a good
3: place. But I think sometimes the audience that talks to the developer is that incredible core audience, the ones who will get all the Riddler trophies. And you can get kind of a mistaken perception of who that much, much larger audience is, which is, you know... Other people who are like, I, I can't. I would love to see a real ending. I mean, now that you told me there's a fake ending, do I even want to get to the end of the game? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's really not a once again a very good message yeah. to be conveying to yeah. someone.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. Yeah, I think uh, Arcanite's an interesting game because I think it can teach us and just developers quite a bit about how to do things right and how to do things wrong. No, it's. I think and
3: I've, it's one of the things I love the most when I was reviewing games is games that weren't perfect were so much more interesting mm-hmm. because the experiment that doesn't completely work can be so much more instructive than the game that does everything perfectly. Sure. It's.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we move on to the topic, I definitely need to stand up for Nintendo and just throw Mario, Mario Maker. Maker. I was going to, yeah, we weren't get out of here without that. Then. You know, it's interesting with Nintendo, obviously, I, I love it a lot and I want to find the good in it, but I remember back at IGN, I was always the guy, one of the few guys that was like, hey, don't forget about Mario 3D World or don't forget about Smash Bros. Don't forget about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Don't forget about Fire Emblem Awakening. All these things that are like, they're not going to win just because of, you know, just, how the market is now yeah um but to me those were my games of the year you yeah. know and like i had the most fun with that and then i was thinking about nintendo i was like man like this year was was bad like it was really bad like the 3ds or wii u like there wasn't there's was nothing that i could really be like yes except for mario maker and mario maker definitely i would put in that league with uh until dawn and rocket league and that it has legs because of streaming and because of oh, all yeah. the stuff and people are having so much fun with it they were when it came out, they still are. I have a feeling they're
2: going to be playing it in half a year. The interesting thing about it is I think the legs will work against it for Game of the Year. Yep. It, that it is so expansive that maybe you never got deep enough to see the awesome stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. you still do, but you're still seeing people get better and better at what they're making. Whereas when we sit down and go, Witcher, Fallout, here's the experience. Here, Metal Gear, here's this like thing that was 50 hours of my life, and I did everything, mm-hmm. and I put it away, and I had a great time.
3: Yeah, um, I've, I've wondered because, yeah, I, I've noticed how... Thin <laughs> that the offerings have been for the Wii U this year. That is, There's something about the Wii U, obviously the controller, that works. And I haven't played any Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. That's so essential to making Mario Maker work that this is one game that they wouldn't want to pus- put off. Mm-hmm. Or whatever their next announcement is going to be gonna yeah, gonna yeah, we, it we it.
2: throw up. We we say X is oh. going to give it to you, and we talk about the yeah. NX. NX. Yeah. We, it's coming. It'll save everything. Well.
3: That whatever they have planned, this would not work very well. Exactly. Via, through through controller or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that I've i started to think that,
1: and I, I think that that's definitely true. I also think that they're in this weird space between where they have to get some of their games out. I still I'm still starting to wonder about Zelda now. Um, I don't I don't I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to put Zelda out.
3: No, I, mean, I don't think so. You either. need to consider the Wii U a wash. Yeah, just, have a Zelda at the launch of a new thing that helps immeasurably. If when you it, have such a signature game at mm-hmm. the launch of your, new it feels console.
2: like we're in a. It's just it's gonna be Twilight Princess again, right? yeah. Where it's going to be, there'll be the Wii U version or whatever, and then there's going to be the NX version that comes at the launch yeah, day. And how there it is. Wii
3: U's are out there.
1: Eleven million, maybe something like that. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think so either. In the I don't sense think the that the cost is worth it. I think mm-hmm. that when they did that with Twilight Princess, and they just inverted the game and put it on Wii, which was obnoxious because because Link's a fucking lefty, um, <laughs> uh, and it just changed the whole dynamic of the game. I always thought that was weird. I was like you just. Just, it's a mirror image. Um, they put it out on GameCube in limited numbers, but I still think it hurt. The, it didn't hurt Wii sales because Wii was flying off the shelves, but. I think the the NX isn't a, a, isn't going to sell well without games. It's just not the Wii U was the Wii U crashed and burned, and mm-hmm. they need to do something right on it. So I hope that if they do are moving Zelda over, that they just move it over. Yeah, and they don't have the Wii U version at all. You know, yeah, I mean, and I'd, I'd be think, shocked I if I they did that, There's gonna be some I, angry I people,
3: but I think you need to just kind of cut your losses on loyalty. Yeah, and deal with like you have to build this business back up again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's- and and to be perfectly honest with you, and and it's just the the, the raw numbers of it, and this is coming from a, what I always say a reformed Nintendo fan because I am is. They're, they don't have that much loyalty anymore. I mean, I just I hate no. to tell people that. Well, if, there if there was a lot of loyalty... If there was a lot of loyalty, Wii U would sell 50 yeah. million units. I think the loyalty yeah.
3: will be
0: the people that understand that this that's what should happen. They will buy the new there one because people, they're putting the Zelda ooh, They there. just
3: need to see the case made. Yeah. I mean, look... Well, that's it's, me. It's not that hard to get someone to buy something Nintendo. It is rather impressive when you can get someone to not buy something Nintendo, and that is the situation that they're
1: in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, think, I do think... Optically, it's a bad move with Wii U consumers, but... Wii U consumers are the hardcore Nintendo consumers that are gonna buy the new system so you need to get yeah you I I agree with you the number the trajectory for all the numbers is just down in the gutter and so there isn't there's just not that much brand loyalty for Nintendo and that's just the reality of the situation so I agree with you like just cut your losses and piss some people off but this is the right thing to do is put all of your games release your 15 year old looking Star Fox (laughs) games Put the Wii U to bed and, you know, and start out fresh with a Zelda game. Get a Metroid Prime game on there. Like get, you know, I think Retro is working on a Wii or an X game. Like just get your first parties going mm-hmm. and, and firing on all cylinders and make this a compelling machine for core gamers. Yeah. I
0: mean, and that's that's key because I think the people that, that have Wii U's that enjoy them fucking love them. And I know that because I've had multiple games on it that I'm like, I fucking love these games. And so we're going to buy it. I'm going to buy it no matter what, like because it's Nintendo and I'm supporting it. And like I no matter what happens. I'm gonna get a Mario game. I'm gonna get a Zelda game. I'm gonna get a Metroid. These are the games I want to play. I, it's, it's, it's worth it for me. The Wii U is worth it for me to be able to play the games I that just, I played.
3: I just hate that controller so much. price yeah, yes. I, I right. piece of hand. trash it's just I. It, it was playing Wind Waker, which I was all excited for. Yeah, and then I'm like, wait, but they put the buttons down here.
1: Yeah, the buttons. I, the buttons exactly. are below the sticks. I can't. I can't believe yeah! like that was when I started. When I the first game I played on it was Mass Effect Three. When we were at IGN, I had to review it. You know the port, and I started. I played online. And I'm like, what? Why did they put the the face buttons below the sticks? That even, doesn't even no one on, plays even like on that. Even on the uh, pro also, controller, the amount, the distance for your thumb to travel
3: from mm-hmm. stick to the most important button, which is the one at the bottom of your of, mm-hmm. of of your diamond, that changes everything. If you're if you're having to be reactive when you're it's, playing a it's game, it's a it's a, a truly bizarre. That's why I even with Bayonetta, which maybe it worked, but I'm like that game. I have to be quick in my reflexes, and this. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't do it.
1: It's a bizarre.
3: And they did it on the Pro Controller. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, yeah. the Pro Controller is the it's, thing that it's, it's make absolutely sense. it's absolutely bizarre. I, I, <laughs> the Wii I U's has been the, so awesome the Wii, the Wii U the Wii U's been really bad, but I do agree that the the, the the there are games on every platform, including Wii U, that are good. But I will dispute you that you got a Mario game. You really you dude didn't 3D get a Mario game? Was freaking awesome! It's man. Fi- it's fine, but that's not like what we were talking about how the games get short shrift in Game of the Year, for instance. But mm-hmm. when uh, I remember because we were at e at the time, you weren't there yet. Game Mario Galaxy won yeah. Game of the Year Mario by a Galaxy. fucking mile, yeah. no, no, and, no. and and so it's 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 not like people have this this necessarily inherent bias against Nintendo games. It's just that these games are not the Mario games we're looking for. Totally anymore. get that, especially the one that the system launched with or that came out around around launch level, which was basically which, just a facsimile of a game that people had already played. You know, it was it was I, it was still good though. It was still fun, and like I'm totally
0: with you. I would never argue that I don't want the Mario Galaxy like three esque thing. Or not even Mario Galaxy 3. I'll oh, definitely want that. But like a new thing, you know? From yeah, 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 The new big Mario, this is what Mario on the Wii U is.
1: You'll get it on NX. Like, I'm
0: sure that they were making it for Wii U, and I'm sure very early on they were they're like, like, Oh, no, 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 we can't. And like, fine, I'm down. Because, like, whatever. I did get two Mario games that, and I've, I've said this many times, Mario has different pillars now where there's the 2D games, there's the 3D, like, adventure games, like Mario 64, where it's like you're getting stars, and then there's the 3D Obstacle course games, and I fucking love that. 3D Land and 3D World are so awesome, and people hate on them because they're not that other thing. But I'm happy there's this third.
3: See, yeah. well, all I think Nintendo needs to do is that they have a box, this NX. and it's just a, a subscription service. Mm. Like get they are sitting on some of the most valuable IPs on the planet. Yeah, get them ready, and then I can just stream some of them, or that like for a fee, I can get twenty of them. Just give me your back catalog, and then they if they do that. Then they can still be kind of slow getting new games out because you've given me what I really love you for, which is all these memories from the NES, from the SNES, Mm -hmm. from the GameCube, from the N64. I mean, it's 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 sitting there way. I mean, it's just to me, it's just crazy that they have these games that are just not earning money.
1: No, I agree. I mean, the IP situation is is compelling to me as well, because it's not only valuable gaming IP. That's some of the most valuable IP in entertainment. Yeah. And and they and that's the thing that's really always been frustrating to me. And but you said you said a lot there kind of between the lines. And I don't know if you meant it or not, which is that no one's really looking at Nintendo excited about what they're going to do. It's yeah, like all, yeah. the, all people want is to play the things they've already done. Yeah. And that says a great deal about what people think about that company now. And Nintendo's prospects of really succeeding with the NX. And I hope they do succeed because I think a healthy Nintendo is good for the a healthy industry, but it also begs the question, maybe they should just start making games for mm-hmm. other people, you know, and, and put those games on other platforms and do what they you do know, best. I, I mean, i I really yeah. think, yeah, I've, 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 I've Apparently, I'm an
3: apostate for saying it, but yeah, I I I do think that NX has got to be the last
0: gasp at it. I mean, that sucks because, like, to me, and this is coming from a huge fucking Nintendo fan that will buy the console before any games announced for, just based on what I think I might get. Yeah, but I wish that the Wii U was their last last console. I wish that we would just get the games because I just want the fucking games. I
1: don't care.
3: I don't care about anything. I want to play games with a normal controller. That's it. Play Mario with with a DualShock
1: Four controller or that brilliant Xbox One controller. That beautiful Xbox One controller, like that elite controller playing like whatever you want, playing Mario Kart on that controller, yeah. like getting trophies. Like I just, it's just, they there is the, the, what Nintendo doesn't have. Nintendo might have a shortage of a lot of things right now. What they don't have a shortage of is fucking incredible pride. And they're going to go yeah. down with that shit, man. If like, and I don't think the ship's going down. They have a lot of money and valuable IP. They'll always have money. They can always sell it. Disney might buy them one day or something like that. Who knows? But it's, it's, I'm sure they haven't even tried yet. Maybe they have. I just feel like they Adam Adam said a lot. Like it's just like he wants to play NES and SNES games and N sixty four games. I want to
3: play GameCube games. Yeah, I mean it's well, like GameCube
1: was awesome. to play Tour, everything please. but Geist. <laughs> I just won't play Geist. Geist. No, 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 no. But, that, but that says I think that that's in the heart of a lot of gamers today. A lot of reform Nintendo fans like me. A lot of people that weren't into Nintendo or just want to know the past. It's like no one's really that interested in 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 the future but I hope they just punch me in the face I mean I definitely don't think that's
0: a true statement that no one's interested I think everyone's interested in what happens well people are interested in what happens but
1: people are not interested in what they're doing right now clearly so it's 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 you know I mean the market has spoken loud and clear about Wii U and it's not and and to to your point it's not that they don't have a shortage of games I really think there's a shortage of interest you know because people feel burned by this shit you know look at they really reformed 3DS but even 3DS came out of the gate and fucking fell on its face you know it's like these things don't happen in Nintendo products So it's, they, they have a deep, they have to think deeply about the way that they do the NX and I'm sure that their plans are already in place and I'm sure Mm -hmm. we're going to see the D3 and all that kind of stuff, but I'm excited, and interested in, and as someone like I took, I took this, what I always say is I took this, this, this cycle off with Nintendo. I did. I don't play the Wii U with the exception of a few games. If they can get me back, fucking get me back. I was telling Greg the other day is we're trophy whores, right? I'm like, if they just had their own achievement system and it went all the way back through the virtual console, Goodbye. Yeah, you know, like I'll be I'll be in the depths of the NES catalog for five fucking years before you see me again. I mean, the, the, <laughs> you know, the other thing is, I mean, I guess I could play it
3: on my Wii U, but it's just like, just give me Galaxy, but yeah. give it to me in high def, you know, like no, whatever I that know. Dolphin version of it yeah, yeah. looks like. I mean, I could play Galaxy till the cows come home. I love that game so much, mm-hmm. and it's like you, you, it, Nintendo is the only company where I, like I actually hunger to play their older games, yeah, because they are so well designed. And you know, because I'm, I'm not like, God, I need to play Azuric on the original Xbox. No one said that. <laughs> yeah. Other people do look back to play games yeah. from Nintendo. And I think that's why it's just, like, it drives me just nuts that they don't, I mean, they could actually fill the time in between proper new games with oh, stuff sure. like that mm-hmm. if they just had a console that was normal enough and you could adapt a controller to whatever that game is. Yeah. Right?
1: And and of course, the, the, the wild card. It's, it would be a similar wild card when we were talking about Vita 2 if they ever did a new Vita. They're not going to. But if Sony did a new Vita and they're like, how do they get third parties involved? Like, third parties were burned badly on this thing. Wii U burned a lot of third parties badly to the point where they were delaying games like Rayman to get them out on other consoles. Yeah. You know, before they even released it on Wii U. That's the other wild card is if they're not ready with all, all pistols firing with first and second party games, they are going to be fucked. Because the third I can't imagine that they're going to Ubisoft and EA and EA is like, yeah, let's do this again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, like, hope they like, don't. man. I right hope
0: that they're oh, like,
3: I'm going to put my dick on the, the, the table with the hammer. <laughs> Yeah, wow, but that hurts. Oh, that's right. It does. Right? <laughs> they have
1: to. They have to. They have to do it. They have to. That e- Nintendo's got a, It's Oh, it's going to be. It's very interesting to be a fly on the wall in that place right now because they they know exactly what they have to do. And they are going to have to engender a lot of third party support as well. And they're going to have to get big third party games on that console. They have to. They have to. They, because they have a they have a Nintendo machine right now. Mm hmm. You know well, they have a Nintendo I, see, game see, right
3: now. I think the trick is Nintendo at the launch they have to do it all on their own. But if they have a Zelda, if they have a Metroid, and all yeah. that stuff, boom, there you have the install base. They will come back. But I don't think anyone's going to take that leap of faith again. All so the developers all on are Nintendo stand to have a killer lineup at a yeah. launch, and you can sustain it with your own software for maybe the first nine months, maybe the first mm-hmm. year. Then you'll see a turn on. EA will come back. You be for
0: sure. I mean, that's the thing is like people, no one wanted to buy the Wii U to play freaking Arkham City. Yeah, you that know? was a weird port. And, and but that's the and thing and that was their third
1: party support and yeah. stuff like that. It's like But fuck, they man. they also just let them well it's not letting them I mean these companies are are <laughs> they can do whatever they want, they're like sentient. The, but it's it's yeah, I, I actually absolutely agree with you. And I think that's why things are quiet right now. They do have a stable of very good first party games and, and or first party studios. And your and your point, like they do make really good games. Like they make good, good, good games. It's just that hardware that holds them back. And I hope that the, that's the other thing with NX we can save it for another time is that the NX needs to be powerful. It needs to be more powerful than you expect it's going to be, which means it needs to be expensive, yep. which, is,
3: which is one of those things that I don't know. They've always made money on their consoles at launch. And it's like maybe this time you have to lose some money. Yeah, and, and they you have, have to go raise a razor blade this time. And
1: mm-hmm. they have a they have a war chest I mean, everyone always talks about this vaulted fucking war chest they have. Well they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go yeah. into it and and lose some money. Yes. To, Stop to building thing. things
3: out of petty cash. Go to cash. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, like eighteen, twenty billion dollars on hand. They can afford some losses that I agree with you. They have to get it out, they're gonna sell these consoles at a loss, probably, but it's gotta be powerful. And I hope it's a hybrid, but we'll see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: that topic was brought to you by DraftKings. Put your fantasy skills to the test starting Sunday at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site, We could can kick the season off by winning $2 million. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code Funny to play... For a free shot at a part of $10 million in Sunday's Millionaire Maker event. And are kind of funny for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. So, Adam, the yes. third topic today uh huh, is your favorite games of all time. What so, are they? So, a long time ago, we, <laughs> we, we had a show where the entire week was each of us giving uh-huh. our five favorite games of all time. Um, so, for you, I asked you to kind of come with your five. We don't need to do that. We can just do... When I asked you the questions, what are your favorite games of all time? What comes to mind? What I was
3: starting to, to do in my head is I was going through generations of consoles. Because then I can start to hone in on what were my favorite at mm-hmm. the time. So with the NES, Super Mario, I actually didn't get Super Mario 3 until much later. I and mean, my, my family didn't have a ton of money. So trust me, the, the things I had to go through for that one game. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, i Super Mario Brothers. But the, 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 the one that I still love is Ghosts and Goblins. Because, oh, that's a rough one, man. That's you know, a great game, but it's yeah, a exactly. hard-as-fucking-nails game. I was young enough, I didn't know that. <laughs> and I just thought this is games. I used to go to this, um, this uh, it's kind of an arcade, it was, it was a bowling alley near my house. I probably should not have been going there at the age I was, all by myself, but I found this way to save money where I would ask my friend's parents to give me a ride to a BART station so I didn't have to take the bus, so I could pocket the bus money at the end of the week. I had enough quarters, and I would go to that arcade, and I'd try to play Ghosts and Goblins. And I couldn't get past the first level. And then finally, it comes out for the home version on the NES, and like I worked at it and worked at it and worked at it and worked at it, and I finally like beat the Satan or whatever it is at the end. And then it's like, ah, that's not the real one. You got to go back and play it again. And that's, I think that's when I started to develop my own personal philosophies about how I see the world as a really shitty <laughs> that, place. That, uh, was a, that fucks with you all the time. That, that, that is one of the cruelest, that is one of the cruelest is, games of all time. so awful. But I i love that game so much because that was the first time, I think it's one of the first games that had a real sense of art direction and that I wanted to play it not for a score not for bragging rights. I want to see what the next level looked like. Mm. What weird ass enemies that don't make any sense are, you know, are, are, are they there? And I... That's I think it really informed my philosophy of how I like to play games. I want to see what's around the corner. Mm, In terms of a sense of success, is less interesting to me than I want to get lost in somebody else's far more interesting imagination than mine. So Hmm, interesting. So okay, that's NES. That's NES.
2: Uh, you left off your Sega Master System. What's your Sega Master System? Oh, you
3: and I, Yeah, I, because I didn't have that, but my buddy Andre did. And that was like, because I was the kid, like, I actually got an NES like right around the time it launched. I think it was my parents were worried I was getting really lonely and I could get friends this way. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Andre, he got a Sega Master System. I got more friends. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't well, know You know I like the Sega Master, some Fantasy Zone mm. because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, once upon a time, you got to make games like Fantasy Zone. Where it's like, what is it? I don't know. Just put it out. We're going around <laughs> and shoot some things, and it looks all weird, and there's a lot of round edges. Sure thing. All right. Put it on the Sega Master System. <laughs> Ship it. System. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, the, those two from, like, the early era I really like. I didn't play a ton on SNES. That's when I was in college. Um, and games were not going to happen. Sure. What little You're I had was going to beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's one or the other. And, but then when I started, you know, I was, I was on GameSpot TV. I mean, one of the games that always will stand out to me is Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. because you know, because I ended around the time of the SNES. I was aware of like Street Fighter, stuff like that. But I missed as things started to move into 3D. So I, I get this job and they're like, cool, you know something about games. You need to know more. You got to go play some. So the first big game that come out around that time was Banjo. And I popped it in. I'm like, oh my God. You know, just that overworld. How that, far that we've come. Yeah. I'm like, this is really cool. And my roommates hated me. Because all they heard, like, on the Saturday morning while the, everyone was hungover is, Woo! <laughs> Turn that shit off! <clears throat> yeah, and I guess that year also was Half-Life. I think that was the first time I had seen, mm. like, adult game. Mm. I guess earlier that year. Because the, the thing about 1998 was Half-Life was so big. That was also the year of Ocarina of Time. And Metal Gear. Wait, no, was that Metal Gear 1?
2: Yeah, Metal Gear Solid, yeah.
3: Was that Metal Gear Solid? I think yeah. they were all in the
2: same month. It might have been. because yeah, yeah, somebody deemed November, it the greatest month. November, the I, I, yeah. the over my head, I'm trying to remember where I was sitting
3: at work when I played it, because that's how I can start to figure out the date. <laughs> but the big games that were supposed to be coming out that mm-hmm. year was Ritual Sin and Shogo from Monolith. And both of those actually weren't good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Unreal came out that year <laughs> as well, because it was really, it was like, when well, the first engines allowed you to go from indoors to outdoors seamlessly. Mm. I mean, it was, that was such a nutty yeah, year. Yeah. But like Half-Life... That was the first time where I'm like, oh, hold on. There's something really interesting happening here yeah. in the industry. So is that four? Yeah. What else? What else do I like? <laughs> I, mean, I, I really do like most games. Mm-hmm. You said Galaxy. Earlier you talking oh, about Galaxy. Oh, that's right. Super Mario Galaxy. I, I love platformers. And that, to me, was... It's like perfection, man. Especially I, for 3 It was. I, I remember I got it. We got it good and early from Nintendo for review. Mm-hmm. Because we would say, yeah, we need it for video. So please give it to us a month early. And we actually got it. So I went back to review it and it was a Friday and I was gonna go see some friends and I put it in. I thought it was gonna be fine, but it was a Wii game, so I didn't know how it was gonna work. And like I just blew through the first world mm-hmm. and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I'm I was just like, I cannot believe what I'm playing here. Because yeah. every single level felt fresh and different. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, going back to what you're talking about with Ghosts and Goblins, where you wanted to yeah. see the next level. Mario yeah.
3: Galaxy is full of that. Where you're yeah. like, what the hell? And the way that they would they would find like a certain type of way. Okay, we're going to challenge you on this kind of logic. Okay, we're going to have small gravitational things you walk around. You'd have one of those, then maybe two levels later you'd have, it w- they would return to it, but they would do it in a way that didn't feel like, okay, we're just going to test you again, but now we're going to test you more. Mm-hmm. With you, it w- We're just going to make it harder. Like everything felt purposeful in its design and it should be there in the game, mm-hmm. except for the, the purple
2: stars. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, to per- that. things happen.
1: I I will say that to galaxy's credit because I always had the Wii reservations too. Although not at the time, I was still kind of in the Wii in 2007. Uh, the waggle felt mm-hmm. totally normal. Everything right? about that. Everything that, was about that thing, game, was, man. The key was when you played innate. it, and, and you're you just like, just oh, cool, it. yeah, yeah. It worked. It did work. To its credit.
3: I mean, I know Uncharted Two is that that that's one of those moments I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, that 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 was a rough year. That was like kind of the year my wife had gotten sick, and you know, we had moved to a new place, which was great. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll – that's right. I wasn't supposed to review it. It was supposed to be somebody else. And they're like, hey, Adam, I don't don't think we have time. Do you mind? I'm like, I'm I'm free this weekend. Went home, popped it in, and I was like, oh, hi. And that's what I came up with the term the underwear game. And the (laughs) underwear game is what happened the following morning. It was Saturday morning, and I got up in my underwear, and I stepped over my wife. I tiptoed out the room closed the door made a cup of coffee because I wanted to see if I could get maybe two or three hours before she woke up where I would have fully uninterrupted play. Yeah, yeah. and I have now come up with another term called the shower game and that's when I, go, ah, I should play that game and eh, I'm probably going to take a shower first
2: <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there yeah is there so is there any do any of the witchers fall into this you were saying you're a big witcher fan I am but they don't I'm trying to think of the ones where it was like, okay, that like life changing, like, that, like it has a yeah, moment in exactly. time for you. I, understand, I mean, I, understand. I, I
3: would say maybe Last of Us or mm. Bioshock Infinite. Patabon. I think a lot of people obviously disagree with me on, on Infinite, but that is still one of those where I'm like, I am lost in someone's
1: nutty imagination, and I'm really, really enjoying this. How do you feel about it compared to because Bioshock the original is like one of my favorite games. Yeah. How do you feel about how do you feel about the original Bioshock compared to Infinite? I love the original Bioshock. In an odd way, I think the original
3: Bioshock is still less individualistic from a creative standpoint, I think it's a stronger game in terms of just sort of like how some of the challenges present themselves, but just kind of the flash of color, the aesthetics and all that stuff that's happening in infinite, you know, it, yeah, Columbia
1: is certainly a different place. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
3: after. I, it's funny even though they both carry the name Bioshock and they have certain thematic consistencies I see them as very very different games oh yeah
1: no they are they are different yeah. that, that was one of the things that turned me off to infinite a little bit although I, oh. I I always feel like I'm in the minority so it's funny that you feel in the minority too when you're saying that I, like, because I always like because
3: I praised it so heavily and so when people decide you know what happens like a bunch mm-hmm. of people will praise the game two weeks later there's like all those other articles well hold on yeah. a reconsideration mm-hmm. I'm yeah. unfamiliar with that <laughs> yeah. Tim yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're, yeah, so you're right. I tend you know if you praise the game you tend to be be very aware when those two weeks come.
1: Yeah. Oh no, absolutely! I, I, we, I got that with the the Last of Us and and the Uncharted games and other things. So we, we still get it with Uncharted three all the time.
3: Um, um,
1: no, but the, the other one I just forgot. I think my favorite series of all time
3: is Mass Effect. I was gonna say I mean, Mass. Yeah, I was Mass gonna Effect. ask about Mass Effect. Okay, that's that's you know, I still dream that one day they'll go back and redo one.
1: Oh, I was gonna ask. So, so you don't like the? So you're one of the ones that's more of a two or three purist as opposed to the one like RPG heavy RPG mechanic. Oh no, is that the RPG mechanics weren't the issue? It was just the problems, like the Mako
3: and elevators. You know, well, that that's just let's well, that's, that's just know, the game. The time. That that that's <laughs> what was going to happen. No, the uh, the night Queen. I mean, that mm. boss battle has serious serious problems, and you know, just just tweak that one up, maybe make it a little bit more consistent. But I think I would, I would say two or three go down easier. Though I did miss like the level of depth. Yeah. I just, the thing is I never felt that one benefited from the depth. Mm-hmm. Like once mm-hmm. you started to invest in some of those skills, like, well, I better just go all the way with those. I, mean, I, you can't, I, I never felt like you could mix and match very comfortably. Right. In it. And also, I think that's because of KOTOR because mm-hmm. I went kind of down the middle and that game does not, that like doesn't you reward you.
1: Notoriously, I got, I was writing <laughs> the strategy guide for KOTOR when I was a freelancer at IGN. And it's a notorious story. Like Hillary's, uh still brings it up uh, Who who's our old our old boss and at the time was writing guides where I got the Vader or what that wasn't Vader or whatever the last boss was Revan. Yeah. And and uh I couldn't beat him. I no, couldn't beat him. Like no matter what I was like, I can't beat him and they're like and Hillary had to write the last part of the guide for me because I'm like, I can't, I, I actually think I, t- I tried to be totally neutral yep. and you and I fucked myself and the game does not tell you that. Mm. You know, so you're. that's like one of my dark memories of writing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you to fight him? of fighting him to discover you couldn't do it? I did it a few times because Hillary and I were writing the guide in concert. I was doing like, I was making Paragon choices, I think, and he was making like Renegade choices or whatever, so like Sith and, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Choices. Light, but I was like keeping my skill tree. Or something. I don't remember, it was a long time ago, it was 12 years ago now, which is incredible. Um, and I, I remember just getting to a point where I'm like, I just think I screwed myself yeah. and I can't go back. Mm. You know, I can't. I'll never sucks. forget that as long as KOTOR is a great game, though.
2: KOTOR is an amazing. Um, game.
1: It's funny you say that about Mass Effect, though, because I've had this mental conundrum with that series for a while because I love that series, too, um, where I don't I think they got some feedback from EA I think they got some feedback from more casual gamers that were like, this is too much of a role playing game. Yeah, and the first one was Microsoft. Yeah, they, well, my funny feeling is maybe they were not being monitored as
3: heavily right. back then.
1: That's true. That's a good point. It was a Microsoft game um, that somehow came to the PlayStation later that um, they I think they got some feedback and some maybe some, you know, focus testing, or whatever they were like, it, it's just you guys got to scale it back. And I've often wondered, would I trade the gains taken in two and three in certain ways to get that role playing system back? And I think and, and that statistical system back. And I think I might. You know this, this story and the storytelling, more
3: importantly, is so much better in two and three. And that's where I, okay, I'm getting really attached to these characters. And by the time three rolls around, it's just like, what I mean, yeah. just seeing how everything is finally happening and you're seeing, you know, I had a couple of things that shocked because I somehow stopped the genophage and I didn't and no
1: one died.
2: Oh, on a mission? Yeah. Nice. Because job. I played
3: such heavy renegade, uh-huh. like
1: crazy oh, really? crazy, crazy renegade. <laughs> <laughs> I was always so, I'm always so uncomfortable making bad choices in games. Yeah, I don't I know why. See that Paragon. one you
3: don't know because you're not it didn't in Kotor, I panicked. When I tried to play Renegade at the very beginning, because I think there's a woman who's been assaulted. And I the way I tried to react to it was um, you know, as as renegade, I can't remember, it was, it was, it was, you know, Dark Force. Than able to and as I did that, I panicked. I turned off my Xbox. Was, and you know, I see it was, I think it was plugged into the internet. And I'm like, maybe it's reporting me and they know I'm a bad person. I, I really <laughs> had that deep a reaction to it. And I felt that like what they really got to in Mass Effect is you're trying to get to the same place be you Paragon or Renegade. You're a little more dickish about how
2: you go about it, but it's not like Brash. everyone hates you. Brash. Right, that, right, right. Right. No, that was the thing for me with Mass Effect and then Mass Effect 2 is a Mass Effect I jumped into and tried to get into, and I got turned off by how deep the RPG stuff was and how just like dense it was dense like you were saying no it was more talking to everyone and feeling like if I didn't talk to everyone I wasn't getting the XP so it wasn't worth my and I stopped playing it because it was just like I'm not going to get invested and then 2 came around and stopped rewarding you didn't give you any rewards for talking to people now it was are you in it for the games how do you want to go and then building your squad and like Mass Effect 2 is totally that thing of like I'll never forget Jacob's mission and going out there and Jack's mission and like the connection you had to those characters when I wasn't worrying about like well fuck there's a guy over there let's talk to him what he think? What do yeah think? no what you're
1: you right there the one thing though I think that I really think three is a great game in many ways I think it's the best game in the series in terms of storytelling I think people were pretty hard on it I you always
3: way too hard because I, I always game. describe
1: it as like what, what were you exactly expecting I always describe the story as a, an upside down pyramid at some point you have to get back to the focus peak of it and it has to it has to end yeah. You know, so like I don't know what the fuck you wanted them to do. You wanted to end in fifteen different ways. It's just not possible. Nonetheless, I think that by the time we got to three, they removed all of the role playing elements. You were getting like no experience for anything except for like beating missions. Like you had no. There was no. We were talking about agency it before. It was there was like a JRPG at that. I guess I'm trying to. Like, like, I just felt like you. Were, there was no way for me to, like, finagle a little more experience or, like... To so just get that edge on the game. Yeah, no, exactly. Because that's what I love about a role-playing yeah. game. It's exactly. Like, when well, you it. turn How that they, corner, yeah, am yeah, 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 like, yeah.
3: ooh, I can destroy all of
1: you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I never felt... I felt like it was too stuck yeah. in not being a role-playing game I have anymore. a funny
3: feeling they are going to address that with I hope so. And with, and with, and with, so. With, with the new one. I
1: hope so. I can't wait for Andromeda, and I hope... Uh, that's what I'm saying is I want them to marry those deep systems that... Ma- Mass Effect was big because of the people that... this And this is lost on a lot of people, and I understand that people like 2 and 3... Mass Effect One's fans were the ones that made it possible for two, and they should, and they should, yeah, and they should at least give it an, an homage to them to say like, you know, like we're gonna put those role playing statistics back back into the game and make it more of a role playing game. Twenty twelve, that's when it came out, correct? Three, Mass Effect. Uh, s-
3: yes, because that's when 7, 10 twelve. Yeah. yeah, I remember now because I remember. <laughs> oh wait, I know why I remember. No, this. the story is because when I wrote the review, it's a downer of a review. Mm. It's because that was that was the four month period where I knew that you know the rumors were going around. I couldn't escape them. So here, like, to I, get the game is just this. Ex, my 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 review is just this existential dread is just filling it. Yeah, and, and I talk about the ending. I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, it has this ending where it, you know, yeah, nothing matters. It's all what you did before. Yeah, it's because you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Skyrim had been the previous year. So I think what's interesting is up until this point, I might be wrong. There was probably a couple exceptions. You didn't see a lot of open world coming out of EA, and with Skyrim, we start to see that huge push in that direction. That that is a economically viable and 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 recommended way to go. So I think that also I think opens things up that they're going to need to have a deeper. People are more comfortable mm-hmm. now with those mechanics. So I'm not think- saying that I'm not saying the game is going to be open world per se. Right. but when you do open world, you have to sort of deepen. A lot of yeah. Well, that's a
1: good point that EA could learn something from Bethesda about, about scaling in an open world, but that in many ways, BioWare had already identified an open platform in a galactic way of letting you explore planets and stuff like that without giving you a whole planet to explore, kind of like a No Man's Sky kind of thing where you land and you can just go wherever you want and stuff like that. I'd like to see them... The, the brilliance about going to Andromeda Galaxy, since everything's, you know, spoilers from Aspect, it's fucking over in the Milky Way, is uh that... This doesn't tie them to anything that's real anymore. And so yeah. the, what I'm most excited about is that we don't know anything about the Andromeda Galaxy other than that it's closest to us and then it exists. So like what like what will you find there? Can
3: we go to the floaty, um, you know, jellyfish looking people planet? Yeah. I really want oh, to know. <laughs>
1: was it the Hanar? Yeah, that's right. Um so I'd I'd love my, what I'm excited about with Andromeda is for them to open up a new trilogy. And what I'm really excited about for them is that they are going to wrap it back into the original trilogy. I fucking know it. And, and you are gonna find yourself back in the Milky Way and 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 trying to my whole theory about it is that it's going to be like some sort of time thing with the with the reapers and like trying to undo what they did or whatever by like beating them to the punch or like using i I think that they're going to tie it back in and I think that that's going to be really exciting that's cool you know, yeah. but you know I'm just making that up but that's what I've well, thought that's what but <laughs> I, mean, I think to
3: Montreal to get him to do this I think that
1: I think that's the setup I really do I think that's the setup is that they go to you know they're you're in Andromeda and they hear Something about what happened in this other place mm-hmm. and it's totally different characters and they go and they go back to the Milky Way and they find that it's dead and it's like what happened and all. That. I think it's gonna be good. Yeah.
0: Before moving on topics, I really want to know what your thoughts are on Mario 64 because you said you came back to Banjo-Kazooie ah, and you love really Mario Galaxy.
3: I, I think Banjo is the superior game. Oh my God. There's no question. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, you know, it's mainly because there's no overworld. There's no proper overworld in Mario 64. And that, to me, was so clever in banjo, the way that you would travel around and you would like you know, have to figure out where, you, where the puzzle piece was to unlock the door that was somewhere else inside of that. It, it made the entire game feel so cohesive so that when I went back and I tried to play Mario 64, and I, I mean the level design is great mm-hmm. but it was, okay, jump in that picture. OK, now I can go into those pictures, but I do I mean it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It didn't have that nice kind of structure and that Cohesion. It just felt like more or less a, a series of exercises. Mm-hmm. In contrast, great exercises. Yeah, but there was that extra special thing that came out. Oh of man, this I mean event. that's the
0: key difference. Though. That's why I love Mario sixty four. Just because it, it is just like level to level And the hub world of the castle. I love so much as its own thing. But yeah, the open world, even the open the the the, the world thing of Banjo. I'm like, no, I
1: can't do. It. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, you know, the superior game to Mario sixty four, which is Super Mario Sunshine. Uh you so much. Uh, has a oh, has wow, a it's has crazy. Has a great little hub world called Delfino Plaza. The worst. Game
0: sucks. (laughs) The worst hub world of of any of the Mario games, Delfino. And Galaxy's hub world was not good. That was probably one of my least favorite things But
3: it's funny because that didn't bother me.
0: Really? It's like, that's a Delfino Mario 64. 64,
3: I think just, you know what? I think another was camera controls. Yeah, I can't remember what the banjo camera. They, they were similar. It to... was similar to Mario. It was a little
0: bit better. Yeah, because it came out later and they understood it a little more. But, but... okay, sunshine. I you just you just blew my mind. I know. It's like, so I don't even, don't I even follow him down yeah. this whole. All right, <laughs> we'll go we're, down. We'll hold hands and go down whenever you want. Moving on to the last topic of the day, I asked our, our beautiful audience over at the Kind of Funny Forums. Go to kindoffunny slash forums. Fill out your topic. We'll read it on the show. These are all geared towards. Mr. Adam right here. I saw a few of these. Yes. so, good. so you, you can prep for it. Yes. This starts with our boy Sean Pitts. He wants to know, what are you playing right now, and what are you looking forward to this year?
3: Um, I'm playing Metal Gear Solid now. Um, I'm slowly making my way through it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Fallout 4. That's a big surprise. Um, I'm, actually, I'm really looking forward to Halo 5. Um yes. I, I, I like Halo, and this looks like this is being done with a lot of care and attention.
2: So. No. I can't wait for Halo 5. Ratchet
0: Three wants to know what's your most anticipated 2016 game?
3: Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, I hope it, it hits. If it doesn't come out, I mean that 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 really is a gaping hole in my
1: heart. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think it will. I think that's a good. That's gonna be a good fall 2016 game. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Marzul Marzul wants to say uh, wants to know, predict how PSVR and Oculus the Oculus Rift and VR in general will impact gaming in
3: 2016 and beyond. Um. I'm very excited about VR. You know, I've been working with this company. I know people who are working on VR games. Um, I think there's a ridiculous amount of potential. I still don't know if games are going to be the biggest significant thing out of the gate or if it's going to be like live entertainment. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest. I'm so excited to be able to maybe pop down $200 and get a front row seat for a prize fight. Mm -hmm. Because I will never afford that seat in real life. And this is there's something I think that's there's so much potential there. I think that we're going to see some really neat games, but it's going to take a while because it is a different medium, and both from an economic point of view, unless it's Oculus or Valve making the game, everybody else is going to need to do two SKUs, and I think a game for a console is not going to work as a game for VR, that it's, it's, it's a much different experience, and you almost don't need the same level of challenge. I have a buddy of mine who's working on Narcosis that has a VR version. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've done that. David Chen. And one of the thoughts I had when I was in it is I wasn't looking for combat or the scary. I've never been in a submarine underwater. The sheer novelty of that is so strong that you can you have to I think you can rethink what's going to be happening that I don't think I need as much gaminess in my VR experience or at least in the beginning. Maybe we'll become so jaded to it as the years go on. We need to have something that's more deeply interactive and challenging. Mm -hmm. To make it happen, I think Sony's is the biggest bet because it is tied to the console, and if mm-hmm. they can pull it off, all power to them. I I see a little bit more risk there. Obviously, the Valve and the um, and the initiative from from Oculus, they are backed by some very very large companies that are that, that are doing pretty well, and so the price point for Sony and you know the fact that it's, their install base will have to be people with the PlayStation Four. There's some really interesting pros and cons there, mm-hmm. so.
0: MSU Hitman says, ask him if he's had any hands-on time with Fallout. If so, what do you think? If not, are you going to play it?
3: No, I have not. Yeah. Um, yes, I got to had the pleasure of getting to work at that uh, Bethesda press conference. Um, the best I got is I saw what you saw 24 hours earlier. <laughs>
0: Benef- Benefique Rock says, if Adam could adapt any novel to be a video
3: game, what would it be? Okay, I saw this one. I've been thinking about it. I... I think the novel I would want to be, play is something by Joseph Conrad. I mean, probably Lord Jim. Cause, you know, especially because it does get really exciting at the end because the evil Captain Brown, he's coming with his bad people and they're going to try to take over. And here's Jim. He's finally made something good in his life, mm-hmm. you know, after being a horrible coward earlier on. Um, Yeah. You know, or maybe like a, a Joseph Conrad open world game where just you know you just travel from one bad decision to. the
4: next. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Conrad wrote Heart of Darkness, right? Yeah, and yeah. so Spec Ops, the line is basically Heart of Darkness. So there's yeah. a, there's another Conrad game. The, that's...
3: The, you, you're right. I, I think the thing is, he he did Heart of Darkness. He actually does other versions of Heart of Darkness better, like the Secret Share and stuff like that. But Lord Jim, which is less, he did. There's two books he wrote that I just love. There's um, there's Lord Jim, which is less about. Yeah, how evil you can be, but like kind of the dangers of male pride. He did another one called The Secret Agent, which is the most viciously funny. It's about an anarchist in London, and he's not very good at being an anarchist, and just these horrible chain of events that, that he sets in motion. So
0: cool. Uh, the unsexiest comedian wants to know what was the last video game whose choice made you feel the need to take a smoke break hashtag G four
3: podcast. I'm assuming that's a in- yeah. I, what game? Oh, that was oh that was Heavy Rain. Mm. cutting off the finger uh, I was like I don't know I can't go I'm gonna go outside and think about this <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife's like what's up I, like, I don't know if I should cut off my finger or not <laughs> 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 um, well it wasn't Witcher because they don't I mean cause some of those are timed but this did happen recently what, what What was another recent choice game
2: anything from Telltale I haven't, game of I haven't, fans, I, no? I haven't played Telltale lately okay what are choice games Dragon Age?
3: Yeah, I think it was Dragon Age. Mm. And, yeah, I, I I can't remember exactly which one, but I, there's so many characters I loved in that game, and I was like, oh, God.
0: Yeah, why make oh, me man. do this? Oh,
3: man, you don't know.
0: <laughs> Kyle Luton asks, if X-Play would still be around today on G4, do you think you would still be co-hosting?
3: No. They fired me before the show got canceled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joey Ferris says, what was it like doing the Bethesda E3 press show with your former X-Play co-host Morgan Reb? That was so
3: awesome. Um, there, there's one other element to it that there's no reason for anyone other than people who worked at G4 to know. Not only was I doing that with Morgan, but the floor director was the floor oh, awesome. director for X-Play. And so it just it was weird. All of a sudden it felt so normal and familiar. Yeah. You know, the one thing that was most important is Morgan and I still had to stand in the same positions because one time they tried to actually mit- mix us up on X-Play and I couldn't read the prompter. It just like, I have to look this direction and she's there. Uh (laughs) She had the same feeling. So, I mean, it was so wonderful and comfortable. But then, especially with the floor director, um, Andy, I had gone out to the back to have a smoke break, which I would do all the time on Mm -hmm. X-Play. And he came out and goes, Adam, when You're done, they need you back there, and it was exactly what had happened three years earlier and for all these years. <laughs> yeah, and it really was. It was so much fun to do, and also, it was really fun to do it for Bethesda. They're their dear friends. I obviously love their games, like, the whole thing felt right. That mm-hmm. was that
0: was worth it. That's awesome. Boss Jug asks, Does he miss being in the games press? If not, is there anything he does miss about it?
3: Um. I don't, completely, I, I don't really miss it. The part I miss the most is what I'm doing right now. Is I got to go into a place of work where there are other people is like absurdly fascinated by the same thing. Yeah, And we can just talk about it all the time. Um, because, yeah, my wife does not want to hear it. <laughs> she's, she's the only other person that's Oh, that's, that's great, home. honey. <laughs> Sorry, the Riddler trophies are so annoying.
4: <laughs>
0: ben Parrish wants to know what your favorite sketch or character on X-Play
3: was. Mm. Um... There's so many I liked. I know someone brought this up. I I had nothing to do with it other than laugh at it, but was Roger the Stanley experience. Um, there's our, our good man, Mike Leffler, who played a stand-up comic version of Stan Lee. Oh, <laughs> so we wow. called him the Stan Lee Experience because we didn't want to be sued. But nothing about what he said was funny. It was just like him telling horrible stories about screwing over Mike Ditka. And I, was, <laughs> oh my God, all those <laughs> other guys. Um, but yeah, I think I think for me personally, that I think it's when we did the um the. Vegas We we went out into the desert And we were looking for that Because that was the first time We took a gamble And on doing one of these Crazy ass episodes mm-hmm. Where we spent a lot of money And we blew stuff up And it really seemed awesome. To hit with the audience And it became a definition For the show
0: It's great Deshane too wants to know Would you ever write a book About the video game industry You seem to know a lot And are very well
3: spoken Yeah but I don't think It would be very interesting Like there's no I mean if I was to do That much of a tell all book You'd be like Man and that, these, that was all you, all you know All these people seem to do Is work <laughs> 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 And I could probably write one about the, about the ass end of the uh, cable industry, mm. uh, cable television. Sure. Mm-hmm. There, oh, actually, there actually is a project I've been knocking around. I've been showing to some people, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, i like that a lot.
0: <laughs> Matt Clements Jr. says, How is enjoying the quiet, semi-retired life? I imagine him being a gaming-by-fireplace with a pipe in his mouth type of guy.
3: Yeah, no. Yeah. There's, there's nothing semi-retired about. Yeah like, yeah, I, 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 yeah. like Daddy needs to still be bringing home some bacon. I just uh-huh. didn't want to do it from the ways I've been doing it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. It's terrifying. Working for yourself is really... I mean, you guys kind of went out on your own. Yeah. You know, you don't always know where the next project or the next opportunity is going to be coming from, and then you don't want to have too many things happening all at the same time, mm-hmm. so you, like, let them all sort of, like, spin out, and you don't give them the right attention. I'm still struggling to find that perfect balance, but there's some things... Coming up in the future that might make people happy. Mm-hmm.
0: Final thing is not a question, just a statement. Confucius ninety says, "If it's possible, just tell him from me that I love him." Yeah.
3: oh Confucius, <laughs> oh, we, oh, we love you so too. So not friendly, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and
0: gentlemen. That has been the first and last ever episode forty-one of the kind of Pony games cast. Thank you so much for your time, Adam.
4: Oh, thank my you, for, yeah, being thank you here, for being here. Yeah. Being here, we appreciate definitely. You. Make you. sure
0: you go check out the Kickstarter for yes. Friday the Thirteenth, the, the 13th. game. It looks awesome. I'm really excited to hear more about it. Me too. Definitely give it some money if you got money. And if not, just go tell people about it because you can do that for sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for being the coolest dudes oh, in video you. games. It's what we do. Yeah. Right. See you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.